This episode of the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast is brought to you by Bluehost. Try the number one recommended web hosting provider. With plans starting at just $3.95 a month, you'll get a free domain, free site builder, easy one-click WordPress installs, and 24-7 support. But what's just as impressive as what you get is what you don't get, as there's no contracts, no hidden fees, and no gimmicks. Go check them out at lawncarebusinesssuccess.com forward slash Bluehost. You're listening to the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast, the weekly show sharing proven methods and systems in marketing, equipment, and customer service, educational and motivational, to help make your lawn care business an overwhelming success. Now here's your host, Julio Tomei. Welcome, Lawn Care Nation, to another episode of the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast. I'm your host, Julio Tomei, and this is episode number 110, entitled... Never reveal your hourly rate. Well, hello, everybody, and thanks again for joining me this week on another episode of the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast. I really appreciate you guys tuning in each and every week, as always. I also appreciate the questions and comments, and as well as the iTunes reviews coming in. Uh, with that being said, I uh, just wanted to read off a review that uh, came in yesterday, uh, and this one comes all the way from the United Kingdom from uh, a user named Tree Man Dave, and the uh, review uh, title is Excellent Industry Specific Podcast. And then he goes on to say, being in lawn care myself in the UK, this is a very relevant and fun podcast to tune into. Well, well worth subscribing to. Well, thank you very much, Tree Man Dave, for leaving that uh, iTunes review. Like I always say, I really do appreciate the time uh, I, that I know that it takes to uh, go through and leave reviews on iTunes. Uh, so if you guys haven't already, I know that I ask this each and every week, but if you haven't already left a review, I would very much appreciate that. You can head on over to lawncarebusinesssuccess.com forward slash reviews, and that uh, will give you an aggregated list of all the worldwide reviews, as well as a link there that will take you through to iTunes uh, where you can uh, leave a review. So on uh, this week's topic, I wanted to talk about why you shouldn't uh, ever reveal your hourly rate to your customers. Now, I've talked about in past episodes how we come about uh, figuring out what your hourly rate should be as far as calculating your bills, calculating your uh, all of your costs to run your business, what your expenses are, personal and business on the business side uh, and coming and using those calculations uh, to come up with a hourly rate that you use for your business so that you can ensure that your business is profitable. But now we're going to take that a step further and just quickly discuss um, why you shouldn't reveal your hourly rate to your customers. Now, my thought on this and from my experience is that simply revealing your hourly rate just will set yourself up for some trouble and for some uh, PETA 
style customers. Now, if you're not uh, familiar with the term PETA, uh, it's an acronym short for pain in the, and I'm sure you guys can figure out that last uh, letter. Um, but essentially, when you have a client and you let them know, um, you know, when you're quoting that, uh, say, your hourly rate is $60 an hour, you are now setting yourself up for the fact that they will be able to, uh, you know, if they're home, sit there and watch you and keep track of that time that you are doing that job. And if you break, if you, um, you know, take a water break, if you're on the phone with other clients, they are going to be watching that. And, you know, if you are there for an hour and then at the end of the job, you go, okay, well, you know, it's $60 for the job. They'll be like, well, you know, you weren't actually working that whole time. I saw you on the phone a whole bunch of times. You took a smoke break or a water break. Um, you know, you were, uh, uh, dilly dallying around, and it just, from my experience early on, you know, you can really set yourself up for that. Now, if you're, this is why I recommend always quoting, you use your hourly rate because you'll be asking, okay, so if I'm not supposed to reveal my hourly rate, well, then why have an hourly rate? Well, you have an hourly rate so that you know that you're profitable and you calculate your quotes based on that hourly rate. So, and as you go on um, year after year and you gain more experience with jobs, you'll start to get the hang of what or how long a specific job takes. Now, an example of this is when I was starting out and I was doing these lawn renovations that I've talked about where I go into uh, in the spring and I have to power rake uh, the lawns to remove the moss. And I put a moss control down first. I power rake the lawns and I go and I aerate them. And I, um, you know, know that I have to uh, take all that debris to the dump. Uh, and then, you know, I'm overseeding, I'm fertilizing, I'm liming, I'm putting uh, top dressing down. I'm obviously, uh, once I've done the power raking, I'm taking that debris, like I said, to the dump. And then after the dump, I'm having to go to either a nursery or uh, some sort of a topsoil uh, supply place uh, and getting um, a load of topsoil to use for the top dressing. And, you know, when you're first uh, early on, you're not sure of that process. You're not sure of how long those things will take. And, you know, you're going to fly uh, essentially by the seat of your pants. And there will be times, and I've said this in the episode about uh, figuring out your hourly rate and uh, making sure you're profitable and stuff, that you are going to lose money. It's um, inevitable. You're, you're, you're not going to be able to get it right 100% of the time. The thing to remember, though, is that Every time you do any job, it's a learning experience. 
and that you will take that knowledge on to the next job and to future projects. And you'll be able to relate and compare that knowledge to the next job. There's so many times where I will go and quote a job and I'll be there talking to a customer. And it's something that I've found in my experience that, um, you know, there's certain times where, you know, if I'm not quite sure how long it's going to take me, that I want to reference past invoices or past jobs that I've done. And I'll just tell the customer, I'll ask them for their email address after I've looked at the property and I'll say, I will email you a quote uh, this evening. Um, you know, I'll just put it all together and email it to you. I'm not going to tell them that I'm going to go and look at my past invoices and see how much they went for and all that sort of stuff. But I'll just tell them that I will, you know, put a quote together for them because a lot of times they're not expecting the quote right there and then, especially if it's a larger cleanup job or a larger renovation or things like that. They will expect that you will take a bit of time to put that together. So I use that to my advantage and I just tell them, like I say, that I will uh, put something together for them and email them. So what I will then do is I will go through my records and think back uh, to jobs that were very similar to theirs in the scope of work, in the size of work. And I will think back to those jobs and because one of the issues with quoting a um, hourly rate is that in my eyes, not all work is created equal. This goes to, for example, what I mean by that is if I know that I need to make at least $60 an hour for each hour that I'm actually getting paid for to be able to be profitable in my business, that is sort of the bare minimum. That doesn't mean that I cannot make more than that. That is just sort of the, uh, like I said, that uh, that ceiling that I need to get to that I know that I'm profitable. Anything over that, you're even more profitable. So what I mean by that is if I'm mowing and I consider mowing to be the easiest um, of the jobs we do. And not because it's physically easy, because as we all know, mowing a bunch of yards back to back, back to back, uh, is, uh, exhausting by the end of the day. But what I mean is that it's easy in the sense that you have your equipment, you have it on board with you, you have everything you need, and it's easy to go from one house to the next house to the next house and get that stuff done. There's no other planning necessary. You don't need to think about the scope of that job. Think about what tools, if you need ladders, if you need extra equipment, what supplies are needed. You don't have to measure areas to figure out uh, how much uh, bark mulch to bring in or topsoil to bring in or, um, you know, pave stones and all that sort of stuff. It's easy in that sense. And, but that doesn't, you know, if you are to compare that to um, another scope of work like snow clearing, 
I wouldn't suggest doing a job like snow clearing for the same cost or hourly rate that you do for lawn mowing. Because I consider it a more specialty service and also it's more of a time-sensitive service. With lawn mowing, you're on your own schedule. You can set your own schedule. Uh, like I say, you've got your your tools there all the time. You can easily add an extra job. Um, you can um, move the schedule around. You can make it fit your needs. But when it comes to a service, like I say, for, uh, say, snow removal, this is now not the case because snow removal is time sensitive. When the snow is falling, if it's, you know, uh, 10 o'clock in the morning, or if it's three o'clock in the morning, you need to go out there and clear that snow. So now you lose that time freedom. And because of that, because you are essentially on standby and you are having to make a bigger sacrifice in your personal time, uh, because you are at the mercy essentially of mother nature, your hourly rate should be higher. You should also uh, in the case of, say, snow removal, uh, consider putting in place a retainer fee. So this is a fee that, you know, if a, say, a strip mall or something like that wants you to clear their snow uh, and they want you to commit to them that you will be there and clear that snow when the snow falls, that you should, they should essentially be paying you a sum of money before the snow even starts falling to retain your services so that you are um, basically holding that spot, guaranteeing that spot for them. Because in the wintertime, um, you know, snow removal, it can be very sort of supply and demand based. Uh, especially if you get into areas where they may not be expecting the snow. This was the case this past season here uh, on the West Coast, where uh, I've talked about before, we don't normally get um, a lot of snow. And this year we did, we got hammered and it was just insane. And, you know, there were businesses that hadn't prepared for that because they've never really had to prepare for that. And they were scrambling looking for places to clear or companies to come and clear their parking lots because now they were losing productivity, whether it was a public sort of store or a warehouse. It was um, basically eating away at their profit when it snowed because they hadn't prepared to have that snow cleared. And now, you know, it was uh, hindering their operations, which was costing their bottom line. So you wouldn't go in there when somebody is, um, you know, looking and you've been working um, all night long clearing snow and, you know, some company is looking for somebody to clear their, their parking lot or something and go in and do it for the same $60 an hour that you would your regular lawn mowing. Because like I say, there is a lot more involved in that. You know, um, the other thing to consider is that with lawn mowing, uh, 
like say you have your equipment, it's loaded and all that. And there's, you know, wear and tear on your mowers and stuff. And you have that sort of calculated over time. You know what your maintenance costs are going to cost over the years. And like I say, that's how we come up with that sort of hourly rate. But when you're doing something with uh, that, you may not be familiar with as well. And again, I'll use that snow clearing example. It's a whole, you know, set of uh, new maintenance costs and things like that, that you may not be prepared for. You'll be able to calculate, you know, what a new setup will cost you as far as a new snowplow, you know, and and the things that maybe a salter or something for your tailgate, uh, stuff like that. But what you may not be able to calculate in that first year is the added wear and tear to your vehicle. Now, I know, you know, I don't personally do a lot of snow, but I've seen the guys that do, and I know guys that do, and there's things that you would have never have thought of. Like I know one guy whose um, rear bumper got completely rusted, like completely through. There was nothing left of this rear bumper uh, from all of the salt and the and the back tires of the truck, um, you know, constantly kicking up snow that had been or and road uh, salt and stuff into that back bumper area and it was eating away the bumper um, and also shocks and struts and all that sort of stuff suspension uh, steering components a lot of wear and tear goes on when you're doing that and it'll take a little bit longer to figure out you might n- need a season in to see what um, you know how much faster things are wearing out on your vehicle when you're doing a specific job like that. So you don't want to be quoting and having sort of a blanket hourly rate. So like I say, you want to figure out your hourly rate for making sure you're profitable. Um, But that is, like I said, just a a minimum sort of uh, uh, threshold that you need to achieve. It's not that that is the number that's set in stone. You want to be able to do work that is more uh, money than that. So I'm just going to break for the podcast announcements, and then uh, I'm going to get into it a little bit more uh, and give you guys some other examples. All right, so stay tuned. Hey guys, if you have any questions or comments about the show, I'd love to hear from you. You can head on over to lawncarebusinesssuccess.com forward slash contact. And while you're there, why not join my mailing list and get access to a free PDF document of a landscape maintenance contract you can feel free to copy and use in your own business. For you Instagram users out there, be sure to follow me at Lawn Care Business Success. And if you haven't checked out my videos yet, well, what are you waiting for? Be sure to subscribe to the Lawn Care Business Success YouTube channel. Now, I know you guys love listening to audio while you work as much as I do. So I've partnered up with Audible to offer you guys a free 30-day trial and one free audiobook of your choice. There's no long-term commitments and you can cancel any time. And get this. Even if you cancel during the trial period, you get to keep your free audiobook. It's a great way to try the service and see if Audible is right for you. So why not give it a try? Head on over to lawncarebusinesssuccess.com forward slash audible. Now back to the show. Okay, so before the break, I was talking there about um, the hourly rate and giving you guys some more examples of what I mean about 
um, sort of having that minimum threshold, uh, but being able to make more. So when you're quoting your job, so when I'm going to a job and I'm looking, say, um, at a new lawn to mow, um, I will use that hourly rate in my head, but I'm never revealing to the client that that's what I'm basing their job on. And I'm using my past experiences um, with similar jobs. Now, lawn mowing will be the easiest because it's what I do the most often. And I'll be able to, you know, look at a job. In the beginning, when I was first starting out, I was trying to figure out, you know, how many square feet a certain lawn was and and all that. And, And even then, it was just... There was too many variables. You couldn't go just by size of lawn because every lawn was completely different. And I've talked about um, this in my episode early on. I can't remember it off the top of my head what number episode it was, but it was, uh, you know, I think my formula for quoting or tips for quoting residential lawns. Um, And uh, I talked about how every single lawn is different. You can have two lawns that are are essentially the exact same size, yet one um, will have just straight lawn, say a square rectangle shape, straight lawn right to, say, the fence um, that goes around the perimeter, and that's it. And the next door neighbor could have that same exact size piece of land, but instead of the lawn going right to the fence, you have lawn going maybe a foot um short of the fence and there's a flower bed perimeter all the way around and maybe there's some uh, flower beds in the middle of the lawn and maybe there's a playground or a trampoline or a swimming pool Uh, maybe there's a couple of hills Uh, maybe there's some large landscape boulders Um, and all these variables will change the amount of time it takes because with that first lawn, you'd be able to go along and just trim along the fence and, uh, you know, get it done. And with the second lawn, not only would you have to go then and trim around the perimeter garden, but then you'd have to then edge it as well. And if there was any other Uh, garden beds in the middle or those landscape boulders or trampolines that you may have to move. There's so many variables. And I think I even went into depth about talking about even parking for me is a variable in certain neighborhoods. If I can park, you know, right in front of the house every week and I can sort of tell by the neighborhoods because some of the neighborhoods that I work in, um, you know, they're still, they're older neighborhoods, so they're larger properties. Um, and, uh, you know, the parking is ample. There's always parking around, but in newer neighborhoods, they're so tight and congested that there's never part, just driving down the street to do a quote. You can tell by the amount of cars parked there that it's going to be, uh, and how close together the properties are and the driveways and stuff like that that it's going to be an issue each and every week. And I will take that into consideration when I'm quoting. So you're using, you know, that experience and applying it to the hourly rate. You have that hourly rate set. So for me in my business, it's $60 an hour, basically a dollar per minute um, that I figured out is what I need to be profitable in my business if I'm doing strictly the mowing jobs. Now I base it all on the mowing jobs because that is essentially what, uh, you know, the majority of the main service of my business. 
Um, so if you were, you know, doing pave stones uh, or hardscaping, you would have, you know, a different number and you would base your jobs on that. Uh, but essentially, like I say, it's using that as my sort of baseline. Now, when I get into jobs that I'm unfamiliar with, so just to take a step back, it's easier to for me um, in this specific example to say, you know, for a lawn mowing job, a new customer calls, I go to that lawn, I go to look at it, and uh, I can tell based on my past jobs and past lawn mowing, you know, how long that lawn is going to take me by looking at those flower beds, looking at the parking, everything that I just talked about. And I can use that hourly rate that I know that I need to be profitable to figure out what it will cost me to do that specific job and be profitable. Will it take me an hour? Will it take me a half an hour? From mowing for 12 years, I can look at a job now. I don't have to worry about the size, the specific, you know, right down to measuring how much turf I'm cutting, but I can look at it and know in my head how long that's going to take me and base my price on that. When I'm doing something I'm less familiar with or that I don't do as often, and I'll use the example of hedge trimming, you know, it would be easy to say, that, you know, I'll just quote them my $60 an hour to do hedge trimming. And that's all fine and dandy. And you may, you know, consider doing this right in the beginning to protect yourself from losing money. But you're also cutting yourself off from larger profits. Because... You know, if you go and do a hedge, it may not be as bad as you think it's going to be. And you may be able to finish that job a lot faster than you were expecting. And by, you know, saying it's going to be $60 an hour, if you pull up to somebody's hedge and, you know, it may look like a big hedge, but you get there and you start working on it. And the next thing you know, You've done that hedge in 20 minutes, that it wasn't that bad. You're just trimming some new growth off the top and all that. And, but you quoted them $60 an hour and that homeowner's at home and now you're done. You know, it, it was very quick and easy. It wasn't as bad. You trimmed it. You cleaned it up. Took you 20 minutes. Are you going to charge them $20 to do that hedge? Maybe you have a minimum charge. I know in my business, I have a minimum of $30. So, you know, what I had just charged them $30 for going out there and doing that hedge? No. So for jobs like that, larger jobs, I will bid that job with a set price. And I use, just like I do with the lawn mowing, I tell them, you know, a price based on what I think in my head it will take me to do that job. And I always side uh, or err on the side of caution with that and will add a buffer. So, and again, over the years, you sort of get used to um, how long a specific job takes. It's much harder in the beginning. I do recognize that. 
Um, but as you go on throughout the years, it will get easier. I'll give you an example. So there's, you know, lawns that I do that I mow where I'm making, you know, my minimum of $30 and they may take me, you know, that 30 minutes minimum to do 30 minutes or under, um, and other lawns that take me longer based on their time. And there's hedges for on the opposite side where I have customers where I have one uh, that I can think of that I do every year that I quoted that customer, um, $150 to trim these hedges. And I'm just taking off new growth each year. The hedges are probably about, mm, I would guess maybe 60 feet long and probably about, uh, 12 feet tall. Uh, so I, take my ladder there and it's up against the chain link fence. So I'm only doing the front side, uh, the back side, I can't gain access to it's in a, against a private, um, basically private property, uh, with this chain link fence. It's all thing. You can't gain access to the other side. So they don't uh, require me to trim the other side. Um, so I just trim the one side and the top. And I do it every year. Uh, and it's just the new growth. So you're talking about, you know, a few inches coming off this 60 foot uh, hedge. Um, and I do require my ladder to get to the top to uh, even it all out, even out the new shoots and stuff that are uh, popping out the top. And it can literally take me, oh, probably about 40 minutes to do this specific hedge. And I am, you know, in and out in 40 minutes, between a half an hour and 40 minutes. Now this would normally, if this was a lawn, be, I'd be charging about $40, but because I'm having to now bring in extra equipment, the ladders, uh, hedge trimmers, that sort of stuff, I'm having to rearrange my schedule or my day or coming in on a specific time to do this because I don't specifically take all of my equipment with me anymore. I used to, uh, but ever since, uh, having the trailer stolen and all that stuff, I don't, I only take what I need for that specific day. Uh, so I, you know, because I have these extra steps now involved, I do that hedge in that 40 minutes with, you know, if it was a lawn, it would be equivalent to a $40 cut. I'm making $125 or $150 on that hedge because of those extra times. Now, if I had quoted that customer my hourly rate, they would be expecting that it would be a you know $40 job because of the actual time that it takes. But what customers don't remember is that there's a, like I said, there's a lot more involved with the job that they don't see. They don't see the time where I have to now, you know, go to where I keep my ladder. I got to walk around, got to go get it, got to unlock gates, got to bring it through, got to load it on top of the truck, got to strap it down. You know, I have to go get my hedge trimmers, get the blade lubricant, uh, all that sort of stuff, and to get the job done. 
All they see is when you're pulling up and you're doing that specific job. So that's why with those types of jobs where, you know, the circumstances are different, you don't have all the tools, you require extra tools, you require a ladder, you know, things like that. Quoting, you want to quote a set rate. So when you're looking at those jobs, use that hourly rate, that $60 an hour, and, you know, that's your baseline. But I would also have a higher price, a higher hourly rate, or a premium, you could say, on jobs that you require that extra equipment. So, you know, for me, if I'm doing anything with a ladder, any sort of ladder work, then I bump it up to say, you know, in my head, a hundred, hundred bucks an hour or 150 bucks an hour. Depends on the job and how high I'm going and that sort of stuff. And, and like I say, what other extra equipment I'm taking, I know that I'm being profitable because I'm past that $60 rate, but I'm also now charging a premium for jobs that are requiring extra effort on my part. I don't consider mowing lawns taking extra effort. I may now, with the addition of buying that walk behind, consider a, depending, I wouldn't do it obviously for the customers I'm currently mowing. Uh, and using that uh, walk behind on because it would be uh, obviously taking time off of my time. But going forward, I may consider a different hourly rate based on the machine. And if the you know if it's a bigger property and requires a larger machine, a larger, more expensive machine, then you know that may be a good basis to have a, a higher hourly rate. Because then that would start to justify, you know, if you could build customers in that range with a higher hourly rate, that would start to justify the purchase of a brand new stand-on mower or something like that. Because now you would have these higher paid jobs to make up for that difference or, um, yeah, the difference in the purchase price of those machines. I've talked about how... You know, when I had the walker, it was sitting on my trailer for 90% of the time. And the, you know, $1,000 Honda was making all of the income. And I was billing those both out at the same price. What I should have been doing was billing out the walker at a higher price because it's a more expensive machine. And it leaves a better cut. And it vacuums a lawn. And using all that stuff to my advantage and billing it out, uh, you know, at a much higher hourly based on a much higher hourly rate to, um, you know, make it, uh, you know, even though it's sitting on the trailer for more time, the time that it is working, it's making more profit than the push more does. So hopefully you guys sort of, uh, I know I'm jumping around here, but hopefully you guys are keeping track of or following along there. So by always quoting your hourly rate, basically, and essentially, it's just, if you let the customer know what your hourly rate is, they, you know, not always, but they are, um, you know, more, uh, will not willing, but more, uh, probably 
going to be watching you if they're there and sort of keeping track of the amount of time you spend on that job and sort of seeing if your final invoice or uh, the cost of that uh, uh, job, whatever you've spent or whatever you're charging them to do that job, uh, if it is uh, justified in that hourly rate that you quoted them. Obviously, if you're quoting somebody um, $60 an hour and you do a job that takes you 30 minutes and then you come at the end and say, you know, that'll be $120, they're going to be, what are you talking about? You're only doing it for 30 minutes and you said it was $60 an hour. And even, you know, if you have a minimum charge of one hour, that's still only $60. Whereas if you go to, you know, that same hedge job and you say, you know, it'll be $150, it doesn't, you're not saying anything about how long it's going to take you. You're just saying to do what you want. You want this trimmed by this many inches. You want, you know, uh, and then they'll clean up and all that sort of stuff. It's going to cost you this much. And once they agree to that, it doesn't matter whether it takes you five minutes to do it. You're still making that full $150. So for any larger jobs, and like I said, it, I know it's when you're starting out that it's so much harder to think about this and to, um, you know, it's uh, the tendency is to want to tell the customer an hourly rate and just say, you know, I will charge you my hourly rate $60 an hour. So for however I just bill you for, you know, however long it takes me. But you have to be willing to take that risk at first in the beginning. And you will, like I say, there will be times where you're going to quote a job based on you may be thinking two hours to do a job and it ends up taking you four hours and you're going to lose. And, but it's a learning experience and you will know for the next time. But if you quote them your hourly rate, you will then be stuck as long as that person is a customer in expecting that this is your hourly rate. And even, you know, from year to year, it may be acceptable for you to raise your hourly rate, but it still won't meet that discrepancy of being able to charge what you could for those particular types of jobs. So like what I mean here is if you were doing that hedge for $30 because it took you 30 minutes and, you know, say you raised your hourly rate and that was based on a $60 hourly rate that you had told the customer. And now you're looking at going, man, like it's only 30 bucks to do this hedge. And you know, everybody across town is charging, you know, say 150 or $200 to do similar hedges. Because you've based it on the hourly rate, that customer calls you the next year. You're not going to be able to say it's going to cost you $150 to do this hedge. Because the customer will be like, well, it only took you half an hour last year. And you said your rate is $100 or $60 an hour. And even if you go to a customer and go, okay, now I've raised my hourly rate. It's gone up. I wasn't making money. It wasn't profitable, whatever. You know, even if you lay it all online and say, now my hourly rate is $120 an hour. First of all, they may think you're nuts, but even if they accept that, that's still only, 
would put you at $60 for that job that takes you 30 minutes. And you're still leaving money on the table. Whereas if you were to just quote a specific rate, and like I say, you err on the side of caution, you add a buffer there, and you go from that point on. This is the case with the that hedge that I told you guys about that I do every year. That first year, I had no idea how long this was going to take me. Um, so I went on the side of caution and I quoted them $150 and they were fine with that. And I did the hedge and found that, wow, this actually doesn't take me that long. <clears throat> and then the next year, they called me back and asked me to do the hedge again. And they asked me how much it was going to be. And I said, well, just whatever I charged you last year is what I said. And they said, okay, that's fine. Come whenever you want. Well, the difference was now this year, it wasn't growing as much as it had the last year. But they were still paying me the same amount. And this has gone on now for eight or nine years. Every year I go and do this specific hedge. And this isn't the only example. It's one of many. It's the same sort of thing. They get into a pattern. They get comfortable with you. They like your work. And now they're set in that pattern of that price. And they're comfortable with that price. So I just keep charging them that price each and every year to do that same job. And each and every year, it's the same story because it's only been one year since it was done. And there's only a certain amount of growth on that uh, hedge. And it only takes me that certain amount of time. Yet, if I was charging or had told them my hourly rate, I would literally only be making or being able to charge them $30, $40, $50 maybe at the most based on an hourly rate. But by not telling them that hourly rate and just telling them a set price you have the potential there to make a lot more profit. Sometimes, you know, double or triple your hourly rate. I've uh, noticed a lot of guys on YouTube talking about the same sort of thing. Keith Kalfas is one that uh, comes to mind and his, uh, I've seen him give this exact same advice uh, time and time again as well, that uh, you want to give a set price on your jobs and be prepared in the beginning to, like I say, lose a bit of money as you're learning. But once uh, you get the hang of it, um, it's so much better with so much more potential to have much higher profits uh, this way uh, than going by an hour late with a lot less uh, of that uh, PETA factor uh, that I talked about because the customer is then not going to be watching Um your every move and, uh, you know, how much time it takes you and keeping track of every break you take or every time you, a customer calls and you're on the phone because you haven't quoted them. They're not, it takes that connection away from being that you're being billed directly for your time and that they're paying for the time. Like, uh, almost like the, the meter on a taxi cab or something like that, right? Uh, that it takes that away from there, that all they're paying for is the finished product. And that's what you want. You want people to pay for that finished product. The same for me is it's the same thing over and over and over again with power raking. For me, power raking is a lot of work. It's 
very um, strenuous on your body. Um, you know, the amount of vibration and stuff that comes through that machine um, when it's hitting large patches of moss and stuff. I'm not sure, you know, depending on where you guys live, if you've experienced that or not. But with me, like I can be doing um, power raking and I get pins and needles up my arms from the machine. Um, it's just a lot more work. And then obviously um, shoveling soil and raking it out and all that sort of stuff than having to go to the dump and all those sorts of things. And if I was charging an hourly rate, there's no way you know, I would, I see companies that do power rake after power rake after power rake, and I see their advertised prices of, you know, like $120 to power rake a lawn. And I'm like, that's just insane. $120 to do a lawn, to take out that moss, to mess around with all that. It's just not worth it. And you end up uh, essentially. I wouldn't say killing yourself, but that, that's the term that people would use. You end up killing yourself getting these lawns done because you have to do so many more of them to, you know, make a good living. Um, where, you know, on an average house that I'm power raking, now when I break it down into a, a full lawn renovation, I'm charging clients now in the $450 range to do a power raking of a lawn, an average city lawn, uh, including the disposal. So including the taking it away and going to the, the dump and stuff. Uh, and then, and that's part of that um, full lawn renovation. But there's, that's a huge difference from what other companies are charging. And I sell, uh, you know, I tell them how, um, you know, I'm, power raking in one direction and I'm cleaning it up, then I'm power raking it in a second direction and cleaning it up. And then I'm going back a third time if needed and cleaning it up. I'm, I'm essentially, you know, if they're asking or uh, asking for a breakdown or anything like that, I'm, I'm selling the um, thoroughness of it and the process and selling myself and my reliability and my track record with how many of these lawn renovations I've done. Um, but I'm having to do less of them than I even had to do when I was starting. When I was starting and charging uh, those, you know, $100 to do a power raking and stuff like that and having to knock out so many of them uh, to make a good uh, living during the spring versus now where I can do less of them as I get older, but I'm making a much higher uh, profit on a, each one. Um and it just makes it so much easier on myself, on my the wear and tear on my body and the machines. The machines are not nearly working as hard as they were because they're not doing as many and they're making way more profit per machine uh, for that by quoting that set price, not quoting an hourly price to do the job. So just uh, wanted to... Uh, cover that topic, give you guys something to think about. Um, I know it's difficult when you guys are starting out, uh, but hopefully that uh, sort of gives you uh, an idea of how I do it and how a lot of other people do it and how, you know, how you can stay on the, uh, you know, more profitable side of the business by 
ensuring that you always, quote, set prices in the jobs and not giving the customer your hourly rate uh, by keeping that to yourself and only quoting uh, a set price for each job. So that's it for this week. Here's to wishing you guys all overwhelming success and freedom in your lawn care business. Bye for now.